know, the perception with, with fiat money is that it's, it's based on gold, but it hasn't been since the 70s. It's not based on anything. That's how you can print more. It's just based on the fact that we think it's based on something. And most people have that understanding, right? Like it's based on something. Mm, mm. So let's just always denominate our valuable things in this thing. That's right. Which is just by decree, someone said it's valuable. Yep. Someone who has a lot of guns, mind you, <laughs> yes, says it's yeah, valuable. That's, so right, that's right. We can trust that, right? Mm. The New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Guerrilla Technology, proactive and strategic IT. Hey folks, greetings and welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Spain, and great to have Ben Rose with us in the studio and cool. Darcy Angaro. Thanks. Um, ben, maybe a little uh, introduction of yourself for uh, for listeners to know where you fit into this big wide world of tech and Crypto sure. and so on in New Zealand. Yeah, sure. So, so I'm the um, GM of Binance New Zealand and uh, Pacific Islands, leading the local um, branch of, of the world's biggest crypto exchange. Um, been in New Zealand for uh, 20 years now. So, worked in uh, TradFi, so banking, insurance, health insurance, life insurance. Um, more recently, media and uh, tech. So, got a few views about what we're going to talk about. You do indeed. Uh, looking forward to hearing that. And uh, Darcy. Yeah. I'm Darcy Angaro. I'm a financial advisor and host of the NZ Everyday Investor podcast, where we talk about things like crypto, property, shares, managed funds, and everything in between. Great. Well, let's jump in. Uh, on the New, on New Zealand front, I guess a couple of things that have been uh, in the media that we, we want to uh, talk about, which is what the government are doing in terms of putting some, uh, some pressure on the, the big international players who are sort of, you know, scraping New Zealand news, Google and Meta, so we'll delve into that shortly. Uh, Black Pearl uh, Group, we, we had uh, their founder on last week, so we'll delve into that. Then there's a sort of few global uh, global topics I'm, I'm definitely keen to jump into. Um, OpenAI's chat GPT doesn't seem to be getting a whole lot of media attention, and I don't know why, but it's just been going nuts on Twitter and I think we definitely need to delve into that. A um, couple of other issues there as well in terms of what's going on with Apple and China. Um, but I think the the big topic is around crypto because you're both across this uh, this field. Um, but let's get started. Um, Google and Meta they're being forced to uh, to strike deals uh, with news media here in New Zealand. We understand in the last. Uh, in the last three months, that deals have been cut with RNZ and NZME, um, but not more broadly than that. So uh, what seems to be happening, uh, um, according to uh, Broadcasting Minister uh, Willie Jackson, is legislation is now um, you know, basically inevitable. They're developing that now. Um, what we saw out of Australia was a, a scenario where I think at one point, you know, Google were like, oh, we might just tap out of Australia, right, when the uh, legislation was initially uh, pushed. And, of course, you can imagine uh, Microsoft with their search engine were like, hey, we'll happily cover Australia if Google yeah. Google doesn't want to. Uh, and, uh, yeah, Google certainly came back to, to the negotiating table um, fairly quickly. Um, but the, the, the understanding is around 200 million uh, per year has been, gone back into the Australian economy, back to those media um, outlets after they were 
they were basically you know forced to to come to an agreement with mm. um, uh, with media outlets. So yeah, looking at the differences between New Zealand, yeah, maybe we're looking at um, you know 30, 40, maybe you know maybe more uh, million dollars sort of per year that could come back into uh, into media. Um, you know, once this stuff progresses, so is that a is that a good move? Is this what we should be doing? Sort of putting these pressure, putting this sort of financial pressure, and and you know, a bit of a burden on the international uh, players who you know end up with with an incredible dominance. So Look, it I, makes I, sense. I, I mean, you I you worked for stuff for for a period, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. I did. I did. I I, th- I think. A strong local media is of such value to to any country, and the reality is, you know, those those big Web two giants they've taken ad revenue, you know, years ago. So now the fact that they're having to pay for the content that those local media companies are creating at great cost and expense to them themselves because they're making money off it, 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 it seems it seems reasonable. Um, you know, the the biggest the biggest impact, the biggest cost for the local media companies is, you know, the their editorial teams, we've seen recently strikes and stuff. Um, you know, those businesses need uh, need support. So I, I personally, I'm a, I'm a big fan of this. Okay. How do you, like, how does it work mechanically? Because you've got all this content, and as soon as it's out there, of course, these big giants will, will take that, and then they're making money off that. But... How can you, how can, like outside of legislation, how can you actually create systems and structures in place where revenue gets directed so, to where it needs so, to go? So the systems exist. So the, the, the news platforms themselves track where traffic arrives from. So they can tell if, you know, particular visitors come from a Facebook post or a, or a Google ad or a, or a Google link. So that's, that's, that's a known to them. And on the other side, Facebook and, and Google obviously track all of the, you know, the interaction engagement they have. So because they're monetizing that engagement, they can see how many views a particular post carrying a piece of news gets. They know how much each view is worth to them. So that's that's the where the right. revenue share model So it's kind in. of like like APRO or some sort of royalty system yeah, that's right. would be built behind the scenes so that it was clipping the ticket and somehow sending payments and that's right. If, I mean effectively you're agreeing some sort of, you know, cost per click or revenue share sort of model. Right. So the technology exists. It's just whether the two parties are willing to come right. together to, to agree. And is it inevitable that they're going to have to change anyway? Like as we're all moving towards, say, Web3, is it possible that if they don't do something here, they'll create more of an open door for more decentralized content creation where monetization runs on different rails? Yeah, there's there's, a, there's, absolute, there's absolutely that view. There's a, there's a view that, um, you know, the Web2 giants won't let go um, easily. Mm-hmm. I think that the reality is what they're doing is they're they're monetizing our attention, and they're monetizing it pretty effectively offshore. The local media companies are saying, "Well, hang on, if you're doing that with the content that we've paid to create, it's only fair that you, you know, that you fund that." So, you know, despite working at Binance, I don't see this as a Web two or three thing. I, I, for me, I think this is about the you know the importance of local media, and you know, businesses like Facebook and Google needing to support that because they're profiting off it. And I, th- I think that you know there has probably been a, a commonly held view that actually it's the media companies that um, that benefit in terms of you know you do a search Google News and then you click through to a news item and you go through to a local media outlet right and that is that is certainly part of the case mm. but I think what hasn't always been fully recognised as as just you know that engagement how much time people will spend on on other platforms where they have 
you know, taken these these pieces of content mm. uh, and yeah, effectively monetize them for for their own uh, for their own benefit. So yeah, I think it uh, it balances things up, and it and it's in that sort of broader context of as a you know a smaller economy where we don't have Netflix in New Zealand. You know, we don't Netflix isn't a New Zealand business. Uh, Google isn't a New Zealand business. Meta isn't. All these you know these big global players, the Amazons and so on. We could have a very interesting picture in the in the years ahead, right? You could end up with a scenario if we don't balance out how they contribute back to an economy like ours, where we don't have any local broadcasters, right? There's no Sky. There's actually just Netflix. Just stamps their feet. Maybe it's a Netflix and an Amazon, and everything is with those players, right? And so we have to kind of work through and figure these things out. And you know, in a, in a similar basis, you know, what, ha- what happens if if Amazon sets up warehouses in New Zealand? They've started to do it in Australia um, with their sort of dominance, and and you know, they decide to drop prices, they kill off local competitors. So there's a, I think there's a there's a there's a lot of sort of challenges with the big global players and how we how we make things work right. Just, so just, we still end up with a you know a strong local representation and economy in, in a whole lot of areas. So, right? so, so on media specifically, so so a really strong local media does a few things. The first, it holds local power to account. The second one is it sets the tone culturally for the, for, you know, for, for, for the country. The third one is it entertains. And entertainment you can get offshore. Um, you can get you can get from overseas. But you, you can see in parts of the states where you know local papers, local media outlets have died out and they have what's called a news oasis, you see the increase in corruption because there's nobody wow. keeping an eye on these things. You don't have those reporters turning up to the council meetings, talking about the deals that are being done, You know, talk, talking to business people. You also have um, cultural identity issues because all of a sudden you know, people aren't seeing people like them on broadcast media. So there are a whole lot of um, you know, impacts of removing local media outside you know, the paying the jobs today of the individuals who work there that, that we'd, re- we'd really suffer for. I never thought of that. That's probably quite important, isn't it? Because even just that first thing, keeping local sources of power accountable is something that we've seen in the media, even in New Zealand is something that's actually quite a critical function. And sometimes it works better in some seasons than other seasons. And so, yeah, I guess if, if what we're talking about makes that less likely to happen, then that would concern me. Think about the investigative, you know, the investigative journalism that you see locally from the likes of NZME and, and, and stuff. Now, if that stuff didn't happen, how would we know about some of the things that they uncover? Just wouldn't. Mm. Yeah. Good point. Um, now, last week we had Nick uh, Lissette on, uh, who's the uh, founder and chief executive officer at uh, Black Pearl Group, and uh, they were they were listing uh, on the N- <coughs> NZX, uh, and they launched um, late last week. Uh, at one dollar twenty-five um, per share. Um, now, I I found it a sort of fascinating discussion, and I didn't, you know, I knew there must be so much more uh, information around sort of the reality of their their, their business um, because I think that the market cap that they were sort of entering um, onto the NZX it was around you know forty million um, based on a um, annual recurring revenue of. To, to under three million, uh, shall we say? Um, 
So I was kind of curious, and then we, the three of us, sort of had a little bit of a look at uh, at what had happened. Um, we had a uh, we were referring to an RNZ article that went online on uh, on on Friday evening that referred to um, referred to the listing and the drop in the uh, uh, in the stock from one twenty five uh, listing price uh, to what was referred to. Um, as uh, as sobering, uh, closed the day on a dollar and eight cents. Um, so when we when we sat down for a chat um, here, sort of forty five minutes ago or so, um, that share had dropped to uh, sixty cents. Mm-hmm. Um, I just sort of did a double check um, a moment ago. Uh, the stock was at fifty cents. Wow. Um, so it's it's uh, I guess. This is where we draw in on you, Darcy. Um, you know, the, who is the, not all over this at all, by the way. <laughs> just, just for but, full disclosure. But I guess that you know, we, we we're going to talk a bit about crypto today. But there, you know, there there's there's aspects to investing. Um, yeah. You know that um, you know things aren't always as as uh, as simple as that we would like them to be. So I'm wondering if you can just, you know, share share a few thoughts on this without, you know, delving space mm. specifically into sort of um, Black Pearl Group, because I know, you you know, they're mm. not a company that you've really mm. had a time to sort of delve in and, and, and read a lot about, but just, you know, in, in the current market, uh, whether it's a, you know, a tech stock that's appeared on the NZX or it's, uh, you know, other, you know, there's, and I guess a, a lot of us listening to this show, Will be very interested in in the tech companies, right? And I remember when Shearsies, uh, you know, were starting to really gain gain attention in the early stages. I think it was, you know, it was the likes of Tesla and Apple. It's you know, it's the big tech companies that sort of have have got a lot of attention. Mm. Um, but we've seen things get pretty volatile over the last last little while. Yeah, and I think uh, when the tide goes out, we see who's swimming naked, right? Like that's the the famous quote from, um, I think it's Charlie Munger or something like that, right? When it comes to this, we're all told, hey, do your due diligence. You know, this is not financial advice. Do your own due diligence. But when you think about that, when we're going out and doing our due diligence, we are kind of dependent on a few things. Like we're dependent on good regulation, good disclosure. We're dependent on maybe our own understanding or what we've read or picked up somewhere else. So we kind of lean on all these various different, say, disciplines and structures around us to help us inform our views. When it comes to something like this, where you could have bought in at $1.15 and it's now 50 cents, like that's full on, right? So what was a little bit sobering is now a full on crack cocaine withdrawal issue, right? Forgive the uh, the drug reference there. I can't think of anything better. I'm but used to these things with you, Dustin. I'm sure that's you right. are. Keep I'm going. sure you are. <laughs> so, but like that's just that happens anywhere. Like Dogecoin, anyone or Cardano recently. Like it, there's there's all sorts of ways to lose money, and we can't kind of always say it's up to somebody else to do that. But at the same time, like up to somebody else to make it safe for us, we have to go in there with our eyes wide open and take full responsibility for our decisions. But at the same time, it's really important to understand what those rules are and where to go for advice and guidance so that you can actually do your own due diligence with meaning. I don't even know how you could avoid that. Like if you were just, you were able to access that investment, you could almost like lose half the value within 10 days, no problem. And what would have stopped you from doing that? Like it's it's almost impossible for me to understand how 
you could stop something. Like apart from saying, hey, do your own diligence and leave it up to them and hopefully they figure it out. There's a, there's a point, right, where you where you can't actually make it any easier. And that's the whole thing with with regulation that I often think about with crypto in particular is that you can you can introduce licensing and make all these rules around disclosure, but is it really going to stop somebody from losing money? And should it? Like, is that what the end game is, is to stop everybody from losing money? Because if we go that far, then no one has a chance to make money as well. It just, everyone gets the same rate of return. And like that's kind of where this ultimately goes. I think, I think, I think let's 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 talk about that slightly later. But I, th I think the interesting thing here is you've got a share price that has more than halved in a couple of business days. No one is yet calling for the. It's the end of the NZX. Shares are over. As an asset class, this makes no sense. This is nonsense. But there are a lot of people whose dollar investment has gone down to fifty cents in two days. So I think what it highlights is that all different asset classes involve levels of risk. And diversification is really important. Doing your research is really important. But again, as Darcy said, there's, there's no reward without risk. So we have to be grown ups and go into this eyes wide open. Mm -hmm. A 50% drop in a couple of business days of a share, it's the sort of drop that belongs more on coin market cap, not, uh, not NZX. But I think these sorts of drops do happen in legacy asset classes, as I like to refer to them, as well as, as, well mm -hmm. as uh, new ones. That's why it's so important. Like it's, it's not always about the tool. It's about mm. what we're trying to do with it. Yeah. And just because you get these weird varying results, it doesn't mean the whole system is broken. Like if we thought about that about our dollars and it's gone down by 10% within 12 months, the value our dollars can hold. It's not like we're all spitting the dummy and getting rid of our dollars. That's right. So it's 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 an interesting discussion, right? Because mm. there's risk and there's volatility. Yes. yes. And we need to be comfortable with volatility. That's actually good. It has to be present for us to get a rate of return. But the risk or the the possibility that you could lose it all, mm, mm, that's mm. very different. Mm, and so, mm. I don't know. It's an interesting thing, right? I think I'm well, the, early the stages You know, the perception with, with, with fiat money is it's, it's based on gold, but it hasn't been since the 70s. It's not based on anything. That's how you can print more. You know, it's just based on the fact that we think it's based on something. And most people have that understanding, right? Like it's based on something. Mm, mm. So let's just always denominate our valuable things in this thing. That's right. Which is just by decree, someone said it's valuable. Yep. Someone who has a lot of guns, mind you, <laughs> says it's valuable. <laughs> that's, so right. that's right. We can trust that, right? I guess there's yeah. been some historical scenarios in varying parts of the world where uh, that hasn't played out so well. Um, now, on to, on to Apple. Um, there, there's been a really a lot going on in China uh, with you know protest and, and riots around the Apple factories, um, and there's probably two two flow-ons that are that I find quite fascinating. Um, one is that Apple, uh, we understand they're they're accelerating uh, plans to move production out of China. Now I don't think that means that anytime soon they're not going to be you know doing production in China, but. Yeah, India has sort of been starting to you know pick up uh, a little bit, and and look in India there are um, you know strong financial incentives for smartphone manufacturers uh, and other manufacturers to be making their product in India, so mm. that was quite natural. But this you know it gives them a bit of a a bit of an excuse, as it were, to to look elsewhere. The other thing I found interesting was that. Uh, there was this communication that was going on through airdrop between Apple devices and and China, and of course you've got a 
a government that kind of mm. doesn't like this freedom of uh, of communication that that we enjoy uh, in this part of the world, and so that's something where you know Apple to be able to operate in China uh, effectively have to comply with shutting that down when when they're told to, uh, which is is quite uh, quite a fascinating sort of scenario to be in. And, you know, Apple have, have really sort of played up the privacy and, you know, how, how kind of good they are, I suppose. Uh, whereas we've got the, the likes of Google who no, no longer actually operate, you know, mm. in China. And we don't sort of hold up a flag and go, look at Google, look how awesome they are for, for exiting, you know, this market where they'd, you know, because there wasn't sort of, freedom of speech and they could you know couldn't just do search and and so on how they wanted to but I think it is actually interesting to sort of step back and have a have a little bit of a look here at what's going on we, we do as consumers penalize com- um, companies for staying in countries we don't believe they should look at look at Russia recently with all of the businesses pulling out out of there and what happened to those who, who didn't you know look look at also what happened to um, Adidas recently when they took a little bit longer than people thought they should have to cut ties with with Kanye so I, I think you know people have a lot of power over deciding where companies companies go, often more more so than, uh, than than countries. It's a really interesting balance. You know the power of the power of Apple um, is 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 pretty great globally. So you know it would be interesting to see if they do decide to exit that market, what would that do to the the Chinese economy, for example? Would that leave them more isolated than than others? Hmm. It must be like a real fine line, though, isn't it? Also with Apple, who mm. need to appeal to their consumer base, but they need to be compliant with these laws, which their consumer base may be at odds against. Absolutely. That fine line, they have to be so careful because they need both. And I wonder, like with say Tesla mm. being in China and manufacturing China, like do does the Chinese government demand some sort of kill switch on all those cars because mm. they've mm. been non-compliant in some other way, so you can't use a car anymore? Like, I don't know, but. It opens up all of those question marks, and we kind of, as consumers, look to these brands, going, "Well, I hope they make the right decision," but we don't know. And and when they're high value purchases, it's not like you can back up and just start swapping around. I'm not going to use Tesla anymore. I'm not going to use Apple when you've just paid like 1,200 bucks for a brand new phone. You're using it, so it's quite. It, I, I think it's fascinating, eh? Just watching how these companies walk that tightrope. It's always, it's always been the case, though, you know, in, in Nazi Germany, look at, look at Volkswagen, AG Farben, you know, Audi, big businesses that, you know, collaborated with, 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 with that regime, benefited from it, and are still around now. Yeah. So it's, uh, you know, it's, 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 I think this is, this is just the, uh, you know, the, the question of our time. Mm. It's China today, it was Russia recently, who will it, who will it be next? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, um, now, we can't go through this episode without talking about uh, chat GP. Uh, this is technology from uh, from OpenAI and their uh, GPT-3 technology has been available in quite a number of sort of, of a huge number um, of off-the-shelf sort of, you know, software as a service uh, products over the, over the last, uh, yeah, probably couple of years or so. Um, but, you know, it's been interesting just to see the rise of these tools to, you know, help you write a bit of content, help you write an article, come up with ideas for an article and so on. Um, but with with ChatGP, it's kind of things have gone next level because they're, they're opening up just direct access to anybody on the planet. They've signed up 
over over a million uh, users within five days was was the headline I read. It's free to sign up. Um, everybody listening to this should go to chat.openai.com and actually try this thing out because it is absolutely uh, nuts uh, in terms of what you can what you can get it to do. We we have tried. I've tried throwing all sorts of things at it. Um, while we while we were sitting here chatting, we said write a five hundred word word article on the benefits of cryptocurrency. Um, you could probably ask it from another perspective, um, and away it went and wrote what looks like a you know a reasonably well researched, well written um, article. Uh, at Ben's suggestion, uh, we asked it write a heartfelt Valentine's Day card for Tali Rose from Ben Rose. And uh, here's what the AI wrote. So uh, Ben can put this on a on a card. Dear Tali Rose, as Valentine's Day approaches, I can't help but think about how lucky I am to have you in my life. It mm. sort of goes on from there. It gets soppier and soppier. <laughs> oh, come on, keep going, Paul. Um, this is really okay. good. Don't, don't, you don't are rob the, the most the amazing person I have ever met, and Cheers. I'm so grateful uh, to be able to call you my partner. Mm. Your beauty, inside and out, mm. takes Both. my breath away mm. every day. Um, I mean, it's yeah. You've got to try like this it knows yourself. Me, it is, this is it amazing. Is, it's nuts. <laughs> mm, okay. <laughs> um, but the things that you can you can throw at it and and actually get it to to come up with. You need some ideas on something. Um, you want a job description. You want you know all sorts of things. You well, might you're just need to my wife for Valentine's Day card. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Fun. It only works for your wife. It was, it was wife, the mix though. up yes. when uh, when, right. when we almost asked it to uh, to write for a, a Valentine's Day card from uh, Ben to Darcy, but mm. I realised mm. that was that was a mix up. I you know these but there's all sorts of possibilities that can uh, incredible that can come out of this technology. And at the moment, you can sign up and and try this stuff for free. And it is yeah, it is. It's very, very eye-opening. So, what, what fascinates me about this, like, I don't know if they have like a, a dyslexic option where you can actually program it to actually write stuff with, if, if you had dyslexia. But I'm, I'm thinking more of the opposite way around. Like, this really helps a lot of people who struggle with communication, right? Hugely, hugely. I had one one example. Uh, someone just was quite a capable verbal communicator, mm. but shocking with with writing. It just they hadn't really got their head around it. And they're trying to run a, a small business now. The they're using uh, ChatGP. Basically, they give it what comes, you know, what they would write. It turns it into something that is a, you know, a nice professional communication to send off in emails to to their clients. Um, so we don't really have time to sort of delve much further into this because we do want to talk um, a little bit about what's hap- what's happening uh, in the crypto world. So. Um, we will we will leave that with listeners to go and uh, mm-hmm. go and have a look at, um, and we will uh, have a link on the uh, on the post on the website. Please don't write my wife a Valentine's card though. I'll <laughs> I'll, I'll cover that. <laughs> well, it's going to have to judge up against uh, what ChatGPT's uh, done it's now. True. Ben, it's so, true. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Again. Um, the other the other headline uh, that we 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 should mention. Uh, San Francisco uh, politicians um, basically voting to endorse uh, lethal force uh, from robots. Mm. So we are in a in a very interesting time in history. Some um, would call it mildly dystopian. That one, that headline, that that's a bit spooky. So go away and read up on that if you are uh, if you are at all curious. Uh, <laughs> Dogs yeah. with guns. Where the world nice. Is going. 
Um, and, you know, just if only sort of Hollywood had, you know, given us a taste of, mm. you know, mm. of what, what a future could be like where we, where we allow robots to, uh, to, to use weapons yeah. and we might it'll, have a little bit of It'll be fine. I'm sure it'll be fine. Yeah. yeah. What, could, what could go wrong? <laughs> Absolutely not. Um, Actually, let's ask Chat GPT. <laughs> yes, <one>. we should. <laughs> <laughs> we'll report back on that. Uh, so, crypto—it's been a—it's been a pretty you know crazy year from a crypto uh, you know perspective. Uh, you know, most recently FTX uh, collapse, uh, and I guess what's been referred to as a crypto winter um, over the last last little while. Um, Darcy, what's your what's your you know view on you know how we should respond uh, to this? Because as um, you know, an investment advisor, someone you you know who talks on on uh, your show on NZ Everyday Investor uh, about crypto on a on a reasonably sort of you know regular basis, um, what is this? What has this left you with in terms of uh, in terms of thinking? It's kind of like a return back to what you should have been doing the whole whole time, which is what what Ben's already alluded to that whole diversification word. And I think often when people get into crypto, especially if they're mainstream investors and they dip their toe in the water, they have this natural default assumption, partly because they've kind of been told this, that you're gambling. And so people don't kind of take it with enough seriousness, or they they don't approach it with the right headspace, in my view. They think that they're gambling. They think that they're playing around. Therefore, they just put a little bit in there and see what happens, right? But I think the power is in treating it like a mainstream investment asset that works alongside your traditional portfolio. It, it slots right in perfectly. So if you think about it as just another component in your traditional mainstream investment portfolio, it's just a diversifier to give you a possibility of outperformance without betting the farm on it, then that's, oh, it's okay. It's totally okay. And so you just carve off a small slice, make sure that you don't invest any more than that so that if it does go to zero, you're okay. Deals with it, but take it seriously as well. Don't think of it as a gamble. Think of it as a genuinely legitimate asset, which is here to stay because guess what it is. And so if you take it seriously and you have a structure around it, you are going to be fine because going into this year, like I lost a little bit on a platform called Celsius. Fortunately, I didn't lose any on the FTX one, but I totally understand what it's like. But the reason why I only lost a little bit and not a lot was because I practiced diversification, not just within the assets that I own or not just within the digital assets, but I practiced diversification on the custody layer as well. Because you can own Bitcoin, for example, like four or five different ways. You can invest in all the companies that do all the picks and shovels around the edges, uh, or you could just buy the asset and hold on to it directly. So. That's kind of what I've been relearning this year. And that's the biggest take home is that you've got to take this seriously. This isn't a play area. This is a, a serious asset for you to do your own due diligence on properly and actually build it in with a strategy rather than just wing it. Good advice. Now, I mean, they're talking about the play area bit. Mm. I, I mean, I think there is an element where it is important to to learn how these things work, and you can have some play money to kind of do that, right, to, yeah. to figure things out. But if you're putting serious money into it, that's when you need to you yeah. need to treat it very And serious money right? is, is a relative thing, Yeah. right? So yeah. If, if you look at all of what your wealth is, apart from the wealth that's inside your home, and it's more than 10% of all your investable assets, you're starting to get into the neighborhood of maybe that's a little bit too much relative to who you are, right? And it's not 
not like I'm saying, hey, no one should invest more than 10% of their portfolio into crypto. But if you are, you just need to be aware that things can go wrong pretty quick. And, uh, you know, a little dab will do you. Just a little bit of it is actually all you need if it really is the way of the future, right? So that's my two bits anyway. The way way we look at it is um, is that... Well, clearly we're biased. We think it is the way of the future, but it's new. So, you know, we, we're only a five-year-old business. It's, you know, Bitcoin hasn't been around for more than, more than 12 years. So so it's new. If you look at the traditional financial system, when people first started working out how to use credit cards, deposits, you know, those sorts of things, it's quite complicated. You have to get your head around it. You have to learn it. You have to do your own research. This is exactly the same. The difference is the regulation hasn't caught up to this new industry yet. So before the events of the last few weeks, you know, one of, one of the first interviews I gave in New Zealand was saying, you know, we think there should be licensing for crypto exchanges because if you've got, you know, we've got one in 10 Kiwis in New Zealand now holding some form of digital assets. That's a lot of people. That's only set to grow. Um, so if you've got an industry that's serving that larger portion of society in, in a financial way, mm. then individuals need to have a way to know who is a responsible player and who is not. And what became clear recently is that Without that regulation, you know, you have you have people doing the right thing and you have people doing the wrong thing, so you you end up you know in an industry that's self-regulated. So so you know we 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 have an insurance fund for our for our users. You know we 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 have segregation of funds. Some exchanges don't, and unless you have standards that are consistent across the industry, in order to be a licensed crypto exchange in this country, these are the things you need to do. Then people can't have confidence in that and won't know the difference between the two. So that's why, you know, it, th- this is a real wake-up call saying it's time now that we, we had a crypto license, not just here, but all over the world. Mm. Mm. Darcy, can you give listeners a, a your sort of summarized breakdown? I know, you know, we, this is a topic that we could spend hours on. Oh, heck yeah. Um, but in, in terms of what, what happened uh, with FTX. Oof. Maybe Ben might need to help me out on some of the details, but <laughs> basically... You, the best way that that I kind of thought about describing it because this is a when, huge collapse. I mean, you know, billions massive, and yeah. billions of dollars, kind of, yeah, yeah. you know, um, yeah, lost by yeah. by investors, right? So you had you had an institution that was pretending to be a bank, and in some senses, it kind of was functioning as a bank. So it was easy to kind of think about it as a bank. And then you had users, customers, putting their assets on that platform, and unbeknownst to them, I guess uh, there was a relationship going on between that platform and another entity, Alameda Research, which was effectively gambling with customer money. Let's call it what it is, right? And so when it kind of got out that that's what was going on, effectively led to a bank run, a la 1907 style, right? And so that's why I kind of think we're probably at that point where we're crying out for regulation, almost like a, a central bank to come and save us within the crypto community, as scary as that sounds. But that event is because of dodgy people doing dodgy things in a digital realm, packaging up traditional finance tricks, basically in a digital wrapper. Um, I don't know if that's too esoteric, but that's, it's kind of, it's a failure. It's a bad actor. It's not saying that the rails or the assets necessarily are broken and dodgy and evil and stay away from them. It's just an example that people, even in this realm are not perfect and Hey, it's early days, but we, yeah, we need to see things get flushed out before, I guess, regulation comes in. Because that's kind of like w- what regulation would do. And correct me if I'm wrong, Ben, but like w- when regulation comes in, you're trying to kind of almost set 
the tone of how the ecosystem operates within a, a somewhat perfect state, right? Yeah, that's right. You set rules that everyone has to conform to in order to play in that market. So for example, you might say this is the amount of capital you would need to have on hand. You need to, you know, you need to have your customers' assets uh, tracked one-to-one in your reserves. You need to you know, show that you have segregation of client funds and investment funds, if there are any. You know, yeah. you need to make sure that you know you have full identification of every individual. All, all of those sorts of things that you do. That's why the processes are similar when you go into, you know, banks. The the application processes are similar because they're regulated. Whereas without that, um, you can just pretend that you're a crypto exchange, and someone who doesn't know, they might think that you're you're just as credible as as, mm. as the other one. So that's why you need licensing to give consumers understanding and, and kind of comfort around who they're dealing with, but also other businesses in the market. Because, you know, right now, this is an unlicensed industry. We're registered, but we're not licensed. Um, we and most of the other crypto businesses in this country can't get bank accounts, because the banks don't have comfort around crypto businesses, because there isn't a license. So it's all part of mm. a maturing industry. Mm. And I guess, the, like, the more you make it a little bit scary and a little bit too different, the more you push things further into the shadows. Right where yeah, I think that, that I, stuff I, can happen. I think I think that's right. I, I think I think you know my my view, and clearly I'm probably slightly biased, is the traditional industry makes a lot of money, and it's got a vested interest in you know not accelerating the uptake of new of new technologies because it's making quite a lot of money. Yeah. So so you know a lot of the news that you see um, overseas in particular is from you know CEOs of quite large banks mm. who 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 you know. Who are, who aren't that keen? So I, I think you got to you got to do your own do your own research. I'd be keen to know but, where that you know. goes. Like if, if we kept that conversation going off air, right? Because like that that like there's a lot of theories. Around oh, well, I'll t- I'll t- I mean, I'll, I'll tell you on air without naming yeah. them. Um, there was you know there was the CEO of a major bank who 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 um, said that Bitcoin was a Ponzi scheme. Fast forward a few months, and that self same bank has developed its own digital coin and is doing cross border tra- <laughs> transfers yeah. on <laughs> on blockchain. So you know you. I, I would I would suggest um, that you know you've got a, you've got a legacy industry you've got a new coming industry and there's there's going to be a bit of friction between those as you would expect but that um, you know businesses like like mine need to fight that fight mm, yeah now um, we've got these two types of sort of exchanges a custodial versus non custodial versus FTX I would put them mm, in, a, mm. in a different category um, where does Binance fit in and what what does that actually you know what does that mean are there yeah. are there are there risks associated with you know with the way Binance operates for instance so so I would say and we would say there there is no such thing as a non-custodial exchange that's a broker so if you buy and sell that's a broker an exchange is somewhere where you can buy coins, store coins, trade coins, and that's that's what, what we do. Mm. Um, so yeah, look, I, I um, we we do think that we're we're different in terms of the way we operate. We have you know we have segregation of funds. We were one of the first to publish the you know the the addresses um, of where we hold our reserves in different coins. Um, since so that gives a lot of transparency because anyone can go and have a look and see what's you going on. You can go and have a look and see exactly how much is there. Yeah, absolutely yeah. right. We also um, about four years ago, 2018, we set up a fund called the Safu Fund, which is a uh, it's a billion dollar um, fund, which we which is there. It's a self insurance fund, effectively for for our users who might get hacked, um, and and that's you know that's something we've kind of done off our own bat because for us we you know we're a young company, we're five years old, but we're we're, we're here for the long long term. So for us, doing things right is really important. Um, however, that's not the case for all players, you know. So. 
around the world, we're one of the most licensed and registered um, uh, uh, exchanges. Wherever there's a li- you know a license, we, we work towards that. And wherever there isn't, like here, we advocate for one. So you know we're really pushing the industry to to mature. Whereas others, like you know um, FTX, for example, uh, talk a good game, but actually the the, the realities turn out to be quite different. And that's the mm. challenge, isn't it? Is without the legislation in place, without um, you know a, a consistent approach, you know, folks aren't going to necessarily know exactly what uh, what they're dealing with. And I mean, you think of you know in New Zealand, if you're dealing with a, a lawyer or an accountant, and you you know send funds to them, they go through a, a you know a trust account um, that you know in theory that that. That doesn't get touched, right? And that that's an independent account, and so you know it seems seems appropriate that that sort of thing should be a you know a baseline um, for for these these types of firms. Yeah, I mean the, the, uh, the so current like the, so the, the current approach is you know we've got registration with MB as a financial mm. service provider for mm. for mm. those businesses who are on the ground here and serving New Zealanders. So that means that you know if you if you if you're dealing with an exchange, for example, and you find that they are on BFSP register, um, we are, Invest by Bit, Trading as Binance New Zealand, um, then that means that you know that they work with an external disputes resolution um, scheme. It means that they report to the DIA for anti-money laundering. They work with the New Zealand police on suspicious transactions. If you work with an exchange, you know, if you invest in an exchange that's offshore, that has no presence and no links to local regulators or law enforcement, well, you know, there's a, there's a lot of risk, a lot mm. more risk there. Hey, with... Like going back to the custo- custodial piece, mm. like say, think about this in terms of how KiwiSaver works, where yes. you're putting money somewhere, where you're putting it with a KiwiSaver fund manager or a retirement fund manager. Yeah, They make the investment decisions, but the funds are actually held separately with a separate custodian yes. in no way connected yeah. to that fund manager. Mm. So with what you guys do, you mentioned that you're, you're publishing the addresses of where the assets are held. Yes. yeah proof of reserves. Do you think that as part of, say, licensing, there should be a move to make it an independent entity that controls those addresses as well? I mean, I, I'm probably not qualified to talk to talk on that. What, 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 I, what I would say is the way we store our crypto is the way that lots of users store crypto. Um, so we have hot wallets and we have cold wallets. So And we've, we've actually developed an industry-grade custodial solution for our cold wallets which which we we now offer as a, as a product in the market mm-hmm. but we, you know we also bought um a cold wallet solution called trust wallet so some of our users use that so the custodial side of things um there are advantages and disadvantages to holding it in your own wallet versus holding it on an exchange and that comes down to whether you want access to it to trade whether you want to go through the hassle of having a seed phrase or just have a username and password how much you've got, what you're going to do with it, all, all of those sorts of things. So, um, you know, we've got we've got a lot of content that we help people understand the best approach for them, but it's from one person to another, it's, it's different. And I think the key is that if you're getting into this stuff, yep, have a play around and figure it out. But you do need to understand that because mm. it, you, do. you know there's a there's a big you know difference from a risk profile, uh, you know, perspective, or you you know you at least you need to understand yeah. that stuff. Certainly, if we look back historically. Um, you know, that there are there are some pretty important considerations and you can make those own calls based on where you're at, how much is there, all the other factors yeah. that are that are relevant. So, so one of one of the things we so for for us again this is a new new technology and people need help to understand how to kind of navigate it. So we've got this thing called Binance Academy, just a load of content. And one of the first things that you see on there is 
what's a cold wallet, what's a hot wallet, should I have my own, pros and cons, all of those sorts of things. We don't advocate for either. We let people make their own decision. But it is really important with all this to, you know, get your head around it first before diving in because, it, you know, it is new. Yeah. There's lots of opportunities, but there's lots of risk too. Yeah. And look, we've heard of people on, on both sides sort of losing like, oh, yeah, my, you know, uh, keys were on that hard drive that mm. that's gone to the dump and you know, all these sorts of things. So uh, there's, there's some important stuff. We're storing stuff your passphrase uh, on iCloud photos. Yeah, yeah, Don't yeah. do that, please. Um, I think yeah, what's, so. what's, what's interesting, <laughs> what's interesting is it's, you know, the volatility is relative, right? So we were talking before about a share that had lost half of its value in two business days. Over that same period, Bitcoin's grown by 1%. So, you know, the, it, the, there's risk and there's reward in all asset classes. So, in crypto, yes, it's important to do your own research, but I can't think of an asset class that that isn't important. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Well, that probably brings us to uh, to an end. We're sort of out of time. Um, actually, I should mention going back to uh, ChatGP. We did ask ChatGP, ChatGPT uh, uh, around uh, FTX, um, and if you go to my Twitter at Paul Spain, um, you will see what was the question that I asked and what the answer was, and uh, it might sort of shock you. Uh, so I guess there's a little bit of a warning here. There's definitely not financial of, advice from chat GPT. Uh, yeah, in terms of uh, <laughs> chat GPT and whether it gets stuff right. Um, I also asked it to write up a bit of a summary about around the New Zealand Tech podcast, uh, and it wrote this beautiful summary, um, but I was scratching my head when it referred to the second host who I – the name just didn't sound familiar to me at all. It was like, what? Uh, where did this come from? We call it a from? solid partner. It's, he's um, been there so, the whole time. So <laughs> as uh, I think jo- Joella might have suggested, uh, maybe there will be a co-host in the future mm. who I have yet to meet or have who is any, it? Is any it knowledge. Any, any is knowledge. That his name? <laughs> <laughs> so, hey, interesting times ahead. Um, but, yeah, definitely go and check that out. Um, ben Rose, where do people track you down if they're wanting to uh, get in touch? Um, Twitter at Mr. Ben Rose would be a good place. Excellent. And Darcy? I'm at Ungaro Darcy at Twitter as well. Excellent. Um, well, thanks everyone for listening in. Wait, what, what about your Twitter name? We just renamed you, right? <laughs> Was it? Mr. Robot 69 or something like that? No? Never mind. We'll put that one aside. Okay. At Paul Spain. Um, I still get invited back, though. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> uh, thank you to our show partners, Vodafone, Spark, Two Degrees. Uh, HP, Guerrilla Technology, and Deal. And we'll look forward to catching everyone again on the next show next week. Um, just something to remember, if you want to catch the show very, very fresh, definitely follow me and NZ Tech Podcast on LinkedIn. Um, and we are across any other platforms, depending on you know what you, what you like to watch video uh, on. So we're on Twitter, uh, YouTube, and Facebook. Uh, and so if you want to catch those live, follow hit the bell or whatever the other mechanism is, depending on the platform, um, to to get it super fresh. Uh, we're wrapping up here Tuesday afternoon, 6th of December, 3.36 p.m. Uh, but, of course, we know most of you will be listening uh, probably uh, Wednesday morning uh, with the audio download. But if you want to feel you're right on the cutting edge, then you know definitely uh, make sure you're following for, for the live video. Thanks, guys. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Right. Cheers. Cheers. The New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Gorilla Technology, proactive and strategic IT.